Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Oh, South Kakalaka! Don't you dare be sour! Clap for your world-famous full-time champs and feel the power! It's a new day, yes it is! For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all! Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader College Football Statistical Model, and your home for Sharp College Football, where all your dreams come true, every advanced statistical metric you could ever think of, up on sharpcollegefootball.com. Thanks for joining us. This is Brian Conger, and we are finally in preview season. I'm excited. I'm listening to some of these national podcasts, and I'm like, ooh, ooh, we're doing over-unders. No, we're not doing over-unders. We're doing deep dives into your teams. We're going we're going through every position. We're taking a look to see what the Pac-12 is going to look like, what these teams project as we move into the 2022 season. I'm joined, as always, by Rob Barron. And Rob, one of the things, like, I don't know about you, but I got my fill of the realignment talk. Like, I listened to all the podcasts, I got all the takes, and I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Like, I, you know, I, I'll, I'm happy to put this into a little box and put it up in my attic until, you know, Notre Dame joins the Big Ten. I'm so excited just to, to get into college football season because it's coming faster than I had anticipated. Yeah, I mean, really, the only thing the only thing that's going to move anything as far as, like, further, like, realignment for the Big Ten, and I think the SEC you would consider done at this point, um, is Notre Dame. And then the only interesting thing to keep an eye on really for I, both back pack 10 and the big 12 will be the, uh, what happens out of the big 10 deal, right? Like their cause their TG deal is going to be <clears throat> finalized and, you know, does Fox get, does, is Fox able to elbow ESPN out? That would open up more inventory on ESPN. That might be good for the pack 10. Um, is CBS who lost the SEC involved? Isn't NBC expanding what they're doing? Are there any streaming? Like, uh, anybody that comes out of that deal with a piece of the Big Ten is probably going to be looking for more content to put around it. Let's go. The more the merrier, man. Let's. I, I'm excited about. But, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but I mean, sit still. Like, there's no. There's like, get yourself some popcorn. Like, watch the football. Like, because there's nothing. There's nothing imminently happening on any front until then. The official Big Ten tryouts begin in a month, Rob. No, I'm just kidding. Like it's it's all about where you, where you, which is sad. It's that like that. That's why I'm excited about talking about the actual teams, right? Because if you're a Utah, if you're at Oregon, um, you know, and you consistently are putting out pretty good products, and like it doesn't matter because you're in Eugene or Salt Lake City rather than LA. That yeah. part sucks. The best part about college football is it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're building a product and you're building a program, we're going to cover you here <laughs> like on the show because I'm right. so freaking excited about um, the season. This is the second year coming out of COVID, so no more excuses. Right, we we like even you, Cal. Even you, Cal. I know Cal's been the most cautious. Um, now they have an opportunity to really show what they have. And our deep dive previews, Rob, are starting now. We're going to do ASU, and we're going to do Utah. And I figure what we would do is take a look at these teams. 
um, position by position, uh, you know, talk through the numbers to start and then kind of assign, like if you're playing NCAA football, I've been doing a little Madden to get the juices flowing, you know, like just, uh, you know, run the ball left, run the ball right, chuck that ball down the field. Um, and I figure what we do is like, take a look at the position groups and assign like a rating that you would do if you're playing NCAA football, 2014 RIP soon to come back from the ashes, resurrecting like a Phoenix I'm excited about that too. Um, but I think that that will give our listeners, I think a, a better understanding of where these teams are, where the weaknesses, where the strengths are. And let's just start with ASU Rob. I, we talked a little bit about them throughout the off season, but really this is the focus where we're going full deep dive into them. Just a crazy year, obviously, with uh, the the departures that we had at the program, both on the coaching staff and the player staff. We got Emory Jones coming in from Florida to be the starting quarterback, overtaking the great, great, great grandson of uh, Rutherford B. Hayes or something. I forget. I don't know what's going on. I know of Bear Bryant. Um, and and this like so. I, I was doing my season win totals here, and we'll we'll. This is more about your team. This isn't will you win this game? Will you win that? It's more about like what does this team look like. But I do think it, it, it's like an interesting a, a mental exercise of like what what you think the, the this team would do for the season winters because I had ASU is still going to a bowl. I think this team um, it, now it could be a train wreck and the wheels fly off, right? Like it's a very rickety, right. rickety, rickety bowl, and it's like the you know, the Gildan underwear bowl in New Mexico is probably where they're going. But if they do it, but if they if they keep things together. Rob, I think in the Pac-12 and with their schedule, this is a team that possibly could could get to a bowl and and get, get at least go 500. Um, you know, what do the numbers say? I mean, so we've got them projected right uh, to win. You know, and if you add in the FCS game, seven seven games. Now, I'm not sure. Like, you know, the the projection model is. I'm not sure we've got a really good handle on transfers yet. <laughs> yeah. As yeah. far as the modeling goes, so I want to I want to lead with that. But it does project them at slightly over 500 in conference. Um, and there's some positives. I mean, like last season, you know, the defense was pretty good. Um, they graded out at 31 overall in beta rank. Um, now, the offense wasn't great. They were at 60. Um, but, you know, the and but what's interesting, I think, too, is when we like and, and, and look at this team, their special teams were horrendous. I do expect them to improve. You're not it's hard to rank at 103 in special teams. <laughs> and um, when you're a power five school, so I expect them to get better there. That should help around the margins, but it, I, I feel like last season we talked about like the defense really carried this team. It might be the offense this year that has to, to really put it together, but the PAC 12 is not overwhelming, you know, and outside of the game against Oklahoma state, you got an FCS team and you got Eastern Michigan. I mean, they're it's a somewhat manageable schedule. Yeah. I, you know, it's it's an interesting team to look at. Let's let's dive into the quarterback. I guess to start, right? You have Emory Jones likely started here. Paul Tyson, and then everybody's uh, favorite pajama ball champion, uh, Trenton Burkett, who comes in. Possibly he might even be second, actually, to be to be honest, because um, I don't think anybody really knows where Paul Tyson is. We'll find out during fall camp. But you know, I I, I think Jones for the most part is a, an intriguing piece, and you could tell that Herm Edwards was kind of not kicking the tires on some transfers, even though he got Paul Tyson from Alabama. Uh, you know, what, what do you, what do you expect from Jones here as we, as we see what he puts together in Tempe? I mean, they, I mean, I think one way to look at this is that there's no depth, right? I mean, like truly um, they don't have a lot that they can hang their hat on depth wise, but Jones is a really intriguing guy. 
You know, like he was pretty good at Florida. Um, now he did get beat out. Um, you know, but like last season he was completing, you know, it, it's, you know, and he was the better passer than Anthony Richardson. Um, but he was completing almost 65% of his passes, 7.9 per, um, now, you know, his interceptions certainly came back to haunt him a bit, but he was pretty good last season. And I, I, I don't think, um, you know, if you are an ASU fan, you should not be looking at this as like a major downgrade versus Jaden Daniels. Um, because certainly last season, like Daniels did not add a lot in the passing game. They graded out at 83 in effective pass. Yeah, I, I watching all those games with him, you just kind of go, oh, man, you know, I guess this is what it is. And it seemed like there was a plateau there. The other thing that you, you know, want to keep in mind with Jones is just his ability to to make that field stretch through his legs. Right. Seven hundred fifty yep. yards on the ground four touchdowns. Um, so he adds an, and, and Daniels could run, but. I mean, Jones can run. <laughs> like, I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, right? Like, I think you get a significant... Well, he's, he's a lot... Like, Daniels added something in the passing game, but Jones is a physical specimen in the way that Daniels was not, right? Like, yeah. Jones Jones is a guy that not only will elude tackles, he's going to break a few. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what he's able to do. The, the weird thing for me is what this wide receiving core is. Because I happen to be a little bit more bullish actually on on the wide receivers in in temp like i was listening to uh the cover three i really like that show i really disagreed with bud elliott he was talking about um asc's wide receiving core being one of the worst in the power five and i just i i I don't think that's right um i think brian thompson even though he didn't really show out on the field last year is a good wide receiver i watched him at utah and he's fun like I think he can be a solid number two wide receiver. You have Elijah Badger, who still, um, you know, came in with a lot of pedigree, and I think he has an opportunity to to be solid. Um, Jalen uh, Conyers, and then, and then you got and then, like after that, I think there there really is a drop off, right? Like you have Chad Johnson's kid, Andre Johnson's kid. Are they good? Like I have no idea, right? Like they came in with four stars, but I'm wondering if that's because of their last name, <laughs> even though they're from different, you know, different families, but same last name, um, but different famous families that that I'm sure added some attention to their recruiting rankings. Um, I'm curious what you think about that because I'm not as look. I don't think this is the best wide receiving core in the Pac-12, but I don't I don't think it's the worst, and I think that there's a little bit of upside here when you bring in a quarterback that can throw the ball down the field. I mean, like I wouldn't have them. I mean, to your point, right? Like, I, I think they're like a solid C in the wide receiving core, you know? I mean, they're not great, right? Like, uh, Ricky Pearsall is definitely your – wait, he's gone. He's gone, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's your best wide receiver. I mean, like, let's be clear. I mean, this this passing game sucked yeah. um, last season. And – they lost, and I don't think that, like, I don't think it necessarily sucked because the wide receivers were bad, but they didn't add a lot, you know, on their own either. Um, but, like, a lot of their best players are gone, you know, and have transferred out. So, I mean, I think that there's guys that are going to get an opportunity. Um, I mean, I think to your point, there's no depth, but, like, I mean, like, jeez, I mean, it gets really thin really fast. I mean, Brian, I mean, when you're talking about like Brian Thompson's probably your most experienced wide receiver. I mean, sure, he was fun at Utah-ish, <laughs> you know, like he had moments. He had a lot of he had a lot of times where he just disappeared, and I just I, I don't 
I think if you look across the conference, though, this is this is still, I think you'd have to say, one of the weaker units in the conference. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let, let me let me take a look at. I mean, I guess we can go down and look at these wide receiving cores. I just think, and I am kind of going back on what I had said when we did our initial, you know, look into ASU, where I was like mortified when people were like, oh no, Ricky Pearsall's leaving. Like, this is a total disaster. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like Ricky Pearsall's fine. And, and he was, a, he was a good player at ASU, but like, if, if you're adding him at, at Oregon or USC, or um, if you're adding him at like a, at Utah, I mean, Utah would be different because they just have run a different offense, but like, you know, like a legit program. And I forget where he went. Did he go to USC? Uh, he went to Florida. Oh. I mean, like a lot of these, guys have gone to better like a lot of their wide receivers have gone to like you know um i think bunky shelton went to oklahoma you know like they've 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 been i mean they have transferred to but some of that though is like these are guys that are coming in and they were rated four stars out of high school you know people are going to take a flyer on them i'm not sure i don't know i mean I struggle with this is like the one where like somebody tells me like it's going to be like addition by subtraction. And I'm just like, I like these guys couldn't beat out these last guys. Yeah. <laughs> We're okay. Yeah. But like looking at the wide receivers, right? I think their wide receivers are better than they're better than UCLA. I think they're better than Utah. They're better than they're Colorado. Better than Utah. No, I mean, they're better than Utah, Oregon State, Colorado. I mean, like even Johnny Wilson transferred. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like when you're going through of like who actually had who actually had catches last year, like Johnny Wilson was a freshman. He only caught 12 balls. But like Andre Johnson is probably your he only got 12 balls. He's probably your best returning wide receiver. Yeah. Woof. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, like, I mean, look, I'm not like, but it's not like there's any but like, I mean, I think, too, in the conference it is worth you know recognizing that a lot of other teams did go out and make more hay in the transfer portal that, or in signings than ASU did. Like USC certainly went out and signed some guys. Um, I mean, even Arizona got cowings, you know, like I, I like there's like the, the conference has upgraded a little bit, you know, with some of the schools wide receiver, like ASU, I mean, they could have really, what the, they could have really used something to help offset the, the transfers out in this room in particular. Yeah. I, um, I think you're probably right with that C grade. I just, I mean, I may, maybe I'm overvaluing Brian Thompson, but like I watched him at Utah. I'm like, that guy's a star. And, but he had like 12 catches at ASU last year. So maybe not. Um, we'll take a look. But, and then like, you know, you bring in a couple tight ends. I think Conyers is interesting, right? He came over from Oklahoma. There's some other folks there that are, um, yeah. but like, I, I guess what I'm saying is I don't think it's going to be a disaster. And I think Emory Jones offers the chance to, to upgrade that, that group of wide receivers, just based on the fact that he can throw an accurate, hopefully an accurate pass. Now he throws a lot of accurate passes to the other team. Um, but so did Jaden Daniels. Like, you know, I just think that, I think that there's, there's a, a chance that they get higher than where they were last year. Um, and, yeah. and, and I think, no, I think the, I think the OC fits what they've got Yeah, as far as with Jones and everything. Like, I think like, I mean, now if Jones gets hurt and they're relying on Tyson with this offensive coordinator, they might be in a, <laughs> very bad place. That's true. Or Bourget. But like with every Jones, like this really, like I, I'm not so like in the same way that like you're, you remember, 
I mean, of course you remember, but like years back when like all of a sudden Arizona's like craptastic offense under Rich Rod and like the final years where they're like insert Khalil Tate and like things happened, right? Yeah. Like I, I think Jones legs can be a real equalizer here. Um, and if he stays healthy and doesn't get really banged up, um, I think he can help really put the, like in both buying time and gaining yards, really put the defense off balance. Um, and I think this, this offense will try to, to really highlight that, um, for him. And the offensive line was, I think the coaching has been pretty good to be frank. Like, like I, I actually like, like their offensive line was good last season and I think they're going to be able to run the ball, um, because the guy they're bringing in from Wyoming, which had just an exodus of talented players out of, out of Wyoming, um, is good. Like, you know, he rushed for a thousand yards last year. I think, I think he'll be good. Yeah. I, you have Daniel Legata there also, um, and they've brought in, they, yeah. they've been able to recruit fairly well at the running back position. And I totally agree with you on this front. Like Ladarius Henderson returns, Ben Scott at center. Uh, I thought it, one of the things that was interesting, right there, the, now there has been an exodus of players out of the ASU program, and most of that is a problem. I thought the one yeah. exit that I found interesting and actually almost like a, it sucks for depth, but I think it it's uh, good for the starting five is the fact that Spencer Lavelle uh, left uh, the program. Like, I think he got beaten out. He got straight up beaten for his position at tackle. Um, and I think that's a good thing. Like, I, I, I think the starting five that they'll bring back into your point, Rob, I do think the offensive line has been really solid because for a couple of years, we were we were looking at the the players in that program and going like, I don't know, like this, this is, this is a problem. And, um, they were able to build up Henderson. Um, they've been able to do a fairly good job in the transfer portal, bringing folks in. Now that doesn't always work, but even here where you have like Des Holmes and Chris Martinez and like, you know, players that are, they're coming in, it does add some depth for them. And I think that they'll be coached up pretty well. I think this offense, like, is it a, is it a B minus? Yeah, I mean, I think overall, like, you know, there's the parts that you like, like I give them a quarterback just because of the total lack of depth, I would say. I give him a B minus. I, I, I think Jones himself is a B. I think running back is a B, B plus. I think offensive line's a B. And then your wide receiver and tight end come in at a C's and gives you kind of a B minus. But that's not bad. Like, and I think with the, I, I honestly think the offensive line, the offensive coordinator could be a bit of an upgrade over what they're doing. And I think Jones is an upgrade over what they were doing with Daniels. Yeah. And, and take, even though it's, it's funny because people are going to be like, Oh, Jaden Daniels is starting at LSU. And we're like, well, win some, <laughs> lose some guys like <laughs> count your, count your blessings. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, everything's relative here. Whereas if, if this offense was at Oregon, we would be crapping all over it, right? Like we say, ah, oh, they got a good offensive line, but they're going to lean into the run. And in the past, they haven't been able to throw their wide receivers. Aren't great. And, uh, you know, who knows about their quarterback? Actually, now that I think about it, <laughs> SEC transfer quarterback, that was okay. Um, a good running game, bad wide receivers, and a good offensive line. That kind of sounds like Oregon's, uh, <laughs> Oregon's offense. But, I mean, like, this is clearly a step down. It's like the poor man's Oregon offense. But if these players were all on Oregon's team or Utah's team, I don't think we'd be as high on them. But because they're at ASU – and because the state of the program I actually think that the expectations are lower than they probably should be for this offense. And that, that, that gives me a little bit of um, encouragement, particularly with the, uh, the upgraded quarterback, hopefully knock on wood. Um, anything else on the offense before we flip to the defense? 
No, no. I mean, look, I, I think I expect them to be like last year. They were a bad power five offense. There's a lot of subtractions, but I think that there's still, I think there's still room for optimism. Like there's, they, there's still room. I think with a decent offensive line, a better quarterback and a better coordinator for them to improve off of where they were last year. Yeah. And just to reiterate, like the wheels could fall off because of the state of the program. Absolutely. Right. So like there is another world where this offense just sucks because everybody's given up, but Oh beginning. no! If if Jones gets injured too, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but they they might they might be a good bet at the beginning of the year. You know, have a little bit of heart in some of these early games. You know, try to make a statement, and then as like the as the grind shows up, and then you guys you got to travel more. As like you start losing a couple games, that's where things I think might get a little shady. But let's get to the defense for ASU, and let's do it right after this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Okay, we're back. We're talking defense, which in the past, Rob, has been the strength of this ASU team. I mean, and, and again, I don't think they've gotten enough credit uh, that they deserve um, for being fairly consistent, uh, particularly in the trenches at both the offensive and the defensive line, Rob. But you take a look this year, and, and we have some problems, right? We have uh, Jermaine Lole is gone. And that that's a yeah. that's a major problem. Like uh, I think Omar and Norman Lott came back at tackle, so they're at least able to fill the hole. But um, he was a monster, and him leaving this program along with some of the uh, uh, along with uh, the the linebacker Eric Gentry, I mean, they're yeah. going to take some hits. The secondary they lose a lot of uh, players in the secondary too. So <laughs> a lot of players. Yeah, I know that's a bummer <laughs> because I I was I just thought that 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 ASU. Um, now I don't, what, what was, what were their numbers last year? Cause I don't think on the advanced side, they were as good as I thought they were, but it's so like they 31, were, yeah. which was uh, like their problem more than it, they were really good at containing big plays. They contained explosive drives. Um, they were decent in negative drives. They're at number 30 there. They were at number 12 in explosive drives where they, they struggled. They just, you could put together drives against this team. They gave, they were at 85th in drive efficiency. So there are definitely some things about this team where you thought like, oh man, if they could just kind of put it together and they never quite did, but they were still like a, like I would say in two, like, I don't know if there's anybody that was more skeptical of Antonio Pierce as a defensive coordinator than I was. And he wasn't bad. And I will admit that, right? Like, yeah. I was like, are you sure this is a good idea, guys? Like, this guy was coaching high school not that long ago. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't bad. Uh, so, yeah, like, I, mean, I, I think the defense ended up last season. Like, the defense was far and away the better unit 
Holy smokes. Right. Like to your point, the transfers like Merlin Robinson's back, Robertson's back. So there's that, <laughs> but, um, and like they get, uh, I believe Travis Moore back from injury. He's the LSU transfer that they were kind of hoping for some things from, um, he got injured early last season, but with Lole transferring out, that one really hurts because they were really hoping he was going to be able to come in and help stabilize things. The, you know, Jack Jones is gone. I mean, like just almost the entire secondary is gone. That, that is like, I think where my main questions lie. I mean, I think the defensive line can be decent. I, I don't have them. I mean, I think I might put, I, I think the linebackers are the only ones I have graded out as like a B but I think the safeties and cornerback play could be really interesting. And these are all, I mean, look like, like we talked about, like we didn't mention this, like I thought ASU was a lot better at recruiting wide receivers than they were uh, developing wide receivers with the prior guy that got fired. Oh yeah. You know, like I think that's, that was a really big problem for them. I thought the corner, I thought the secondary coaching was pretty good. Um, and I think they're starting from scratch there with a new face. So like that, that one, it, like it, it's a bit of a mystery for me, how the back end of this defense shapes up. Yeah. I, I want to start with the front line because it's been consistently good and they have some yeah. interesting players, right? Like Omar Norman lot at tackle, uh, Nesta Jade says, I think it's Silvera who was a Miami transfer, uh, I believe is interesting. So like, you have the bodies there. You know, our friend Hithliday kind of talks about, look, if you're going to run some defenses, you need the big guys. And for the most part, ASU has been able to recruit and field good big guys um, that can plug up that center. And on the outside, Trevez Moore, um, I think Michael Mattis, it's fine. Like, I, I, I don't think that this line is going to blow people away, but I do think consistently the defense has been really solid on that front. And then, like you mentioned, you still return Merlin Robertson for whatever that means, right? You know, he's kind of been, he had a great freshman year. I think um, he fell off and it sounds like he was in the doghouse a little bit uh, his sophomore year. And I think now he's a senior. Uh, I mean, Kayla McCullough, Kyle, you know, Kyle, Kyle Sole, if you ask anybody that covers ASU, they love him because he's just I like a solid college player, you know? Um, I think yeah. the front seven is, I think it's a B or like even, even, I think the ceiling is a B plus for them. Is that, is that too optimistic? I mean, I think the, I, I mean, I think that there's some, some guys that you can talk yourself into stepping up, but like overall they were, they really, I mean, one of the things they really struggled with the last season was generating, I mean, generating sacks, right? Like, um, you know, out of the defensive line, um, you know, they, they didn't have, you know, they didn't have anybody that you were really all that afraid of, um, you know, on the defensive line there. And a lot of it, I think, was coverage sacks because the secondary was, I mean, to be honest, I thought the secondary was pretty good. Um, so that that is going to make it, I, I think, interesting, right? Like, um, you know, like there's, you know, there, there are some guys like, I mean, is did BJ Green transfer out? If he's still there, like he's probably the guy they're probably most excited about coming into this next season. But man, eh. <laughs> I mean, some of, some of these guys, like to your point, you're right. Like if you could get Green, Norman Lot, um, you know, if you're getting Travis Moore, you know, you do potentially have some guys that I think could take that next step from where they were last year. 
Yeah. It's just up to the staff to keep them motivated. And again, <laughs> this is a repeating thing, but the wheels could come off. And then this line that has, you know, a little bit of potential to get a little higher on that ceiling, uh, might just come crumbling down and you know, whatever, nobody cares, but on paper, not bad. I totally agree with you on the secondary because uh, what were they in past defense last year? They were at 30. That's not bad. That's pretty good. I think a lot of that was, yeah. I mean, but I think a lot of it was last season was like, I thought the, I thought the coverage was pretty good and I didn't think that they were as good at getting as generating as much pass rush as you would have liked. Yeah, I mean, I, I hear you there, and they and they do lose a lot. I mean, they so they bring in T. Marcus Thomas, the Baylor transfer at corner, uh, Roe Torrance, the Auburn transfer at corner. I have Jordan Clark at the nickel, and then like you know at the safety spot, I think things get a little weird, right? They bring in Corey Bethley, uh, Hawaii transfer, Chris Edmonds, a Sanford tra- transfer. He was an All American at the FCS level. So this is where things do get shaky because that is a lot of players to rely on to fill in holes um, and to get them all to yeah. work together is difficult. And if this secondary is good next year, uh, make make the secondary coach the head coach when they fire Herm Edwards, right? <laughs> like, that yeah. Good job. yeah, I agree. I mean, like that that's probably your biggest question coming into the season and what was a fairly consistent unit, right? Like if we're, you know, they were, you know, you had, you absolutely had guys, you know, in the secondary that were, that were, you know, like Jack Jones, Chase Lucas. I mean, these guys held things down for them for a long, I mean, and, and we're good players, you know, a lot of these guys are going to get like, are going to be in, you know, those guys are going to be in training camps, you know, getting ready for the NFL those are big losses for them, right? Like, it's not, I mean, there's not really anyone commensurate that you'd be losing on the, you know, other parts of the defense. I really think this was the strength of this defense for the last, you know, last season in particular. I, I'm interested to see, like, you know, look, I, I, I think the coaching has been good. They still have, you know, um, God, they've got like the entire, like early, like they've got like the, like, millennial coaches from the Baltimore Ravens, like everybody, from <laughs> everybody from the Baltimore Ravens, like Brian Billick is advising them like Marvin Lewis, their new defensive coordinator coach with the Ravens. Um, I mean, they're all old, <laughs> but they could be good. And Rob, one of the things that you mentioned too, is like Jack Jones, right. Transfer from USC who like, was written off by that program, you know, and like when he, when he came to ASU, he hadn't played for a year, which is a, a testament to his talent that he got to the point where he is and be a testament to Chris Hawkins um, and his ability to coach up the secondary. Here's the problem. Chris Hawkins was fired. <laughs> and I think of all the coaches that had a bad falling out, he was the one where it was like the most, you know, that was the most difficult one um, in terms of uh, the frustration with the program. But also, I think one of the bigger hits, because Prentice Gill was the wide receivers coach. Who cares, right? That was kind of a disaster. The tight ends coach was gone. Who cares? Zach Hill resigned, whatever. Um, I thought Hawkins was kind of the one where I was like, ah, that's a problem. Um, so let's see if they're able to pick it up. Donnie Henderson is a secondaries coach. He filled in um, a little bit last year, and then um, and then they bring in somebody else. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, I guess I'm talking myself into your point, which is, 
yeah, the secondary was good last year, but let's see where it's at now. And I, I think you have to start off like with a, what, like a C plus or a B minus in the secondary. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got him in a C. Like I just, I, I've got a bunch of people I haven't seen play and a new <laughs> coaching, like a bunch of new coaches. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess if you put that together, right, it looks like we have, um, a pretty good quarterback, pretty good running back, yep. pretty good offensive line, questionable wide receivers that could be helped by a pretty good quarterback, yep. uh, a decent front seven and a very questionable secondary. I mean, that's a bull team to me. Like if, if they, if they yeah. stick together, I mean, look, they've got Colorado and Arizona on the schedule, you know, <laughs> um, they've got Eastern Michigan and the FCS game. Uh, they get an Oklahoma State team that is turning over nearly everybody in their on their defense and has struggled on offense. I mean, I, I look. I think this like you know they're, they're going to have a shot. You know, I mean they got Stanford too, right? So like they've got a really good shot. I think to get to a bowl. I think that's right. Yeah. So take heart, ASU fans, and then um, and then just you know keep hitting refresh on those message boards for the next coach because I think you have like two recruits. For the 2023 season, that's a problem. Um, but, but I think you know this could be the last hurrah, you know, for for Herm Edwards and um, and and the Boomer, you know, and, and the Boomer uh, coordinators that he's brought in uh, over the course of a number of years. Rob, let's anything else in ASU before we go to Utah? No, no, I think we got it. Okay, let's talk about Utah. A team that um, also looks very good on paper, but also won uh, <laughs> the conference last year. And let's do it right after this. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, we're back. We're talking Utah Utes football, a team that really put it together last year. And boy, howdy, once they had Cam Rising as the quarterback, this program was rolling. Um, and I think unlike some of these other teams that we're going to preview, Rob, this is a team that we kind of know what we're going to get, right? Like a lot of consistency, quarterback returns, running back returns, um, and uh, the, basically most of the offensive line back, wide receivers return. The defense is a little bit, you're going to see some new names there, but it, continuity on the, on the coordinator front, they basically have most of the same coaches. I know that I think their running backs coach was rated by USC, but for the most part, this is a team that won the conference and basically brings the band back together with Cam Rising. I guess the 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 thing that worries me a little bit is all right, we got a year on Rising, right? Uh, sometimes these new quarterbacks that come into a program, you uh, they, they get hot, 
and then the coordinators get a year of film and go, all right, we, I think we got this. I think that's a risk, but where does, where do the Utes rate out here and where do they project in the model? So we haven't projected, uh, at, at number, uh, eight, mm. you know, they were really good last season to end the season. I mean, after cam rising takes over, um, the offense finished at number six overall, the defense finished at number nine, um, special teams was at number 15. Um, this, this Utah team really put it together last year. They were an explosive offense. They were a lot, I mean, unsurprisingly, they were a lot better running the football. Number four overall, an effective rush, 39, an effective pass. Rising generally did, does enough in the passing game um, in addition to what he brings with his legs. Um, but the defense was was pretty good. They struggled against the pass uh, a bit. Um, and that's something I think, uh, you know, to watch out for with this team coming into this season. Uh, but they were pretty good against the run. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, there's a lot to like, I mean, the, the coordinator continuity with Scally and, and, and Ludwig rising, coming back, you know, like they're th- th- this team, like we've got them projected to win the conference, um, and potentially be a playoff team. Yeah. Cam rising, right? A. Yeah. Uh, I've got him in an A minus B plus, um, just because I think Caleb Williams is, like if you're going to give Caleb Williams an A, like I, I, I think he's a better overall quarterback talent. On paper, on paper, up. Let's see, let's see, let's see when the the rubber hits the road. Is that not fair? Like I don't know. Like, I, 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 it's a bummer because we did our quarterback. Uh, you, you know the 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 famous, you know, infamous. The lost the lost episodes. Yeah, yeah. Some somebody's going to dig around on the cloud and find it one of these days. But I, I and one of the things that we debated was. You know, I've seen Rising do this. I get, but I, although Williams kind of stepped in in the middle of the year too, right? Um, right. So yeah, I, I guess you're right. Like Williams likely has, well, Williams does have the better potential, but Rising, I just think in this offense is going to be really solid and, and push them forward. Um, if you take a look at his numbers, you know, twenty touchdowns to five interceptions, twenty four hundred yards, seven point eight. Um, I mean, just like better numbers straight up than Emory Jones when you're taking like if you if you want to compare him to somebody that we've just talked about 500 yards on the ground. So he's still running the ball. He had six touchdowns. I mean, just adds a ton. And I'm interested to see year two in this offense. It's probably going to be the same. You know, one of the things that I found interesting is I've I've heard a lot of people say that Britton Covey, you know, losing him was a big deal. Like he he was fine and he wasn't on the field that much. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm not sold on that. <laughs> like he, I mean, Covey, they found ways to get him the ball in interesting places. He certainly, I mean, and that's one thing that I think Ludwig does really well, um, you know, is, is find ways to get the guys, the ball, you know, like the, the, you know, in, in, in different ways, like you'll see a, you know, a, a tight end end around, um, you know, out of Ludwig. And I think, I think those are, you know, really like creative, but Covey wasn't a force in the passing game, but I mean, their tight ends were the force in the passing game for them. And the safety nets. Like I, I know that Covey got, yeah. got some third downs. I, I hear that, but I mean, he did have 52 catches. I guess I feel like I'm like understating it a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. I just like, I watched almost every Utah game and yeah, he was important, but I think he's repl- like he's not irreplaceable. That's I guess that's what I'm saying. You know, and I I think it sounds yeah. like they're trying to put like money parks. They're they're looking at moving him over. 
um, into that slot position. Or Micah Bernard. I'm sorry. Money Parks is, is at the wide receiver. Um, Micah Bernard, the, the guy that played secondary, you know, in the, famously the pigeon pose in, uh, in the Ohio yeah. State. But, like, that's how good of an athlete he is to go from running back to corner to the slot position. I think that's fascinating to see if they're able to put that together. Um, you know, what do, what do you think? Look, the wide receiving core for this team has always been meh, but they bring back Brant Keithy. Um, and that's, that's interesting. You know, they've been recruiting all these tight ends that the, it's so funny. Cause like we were talking about all the tight ends they brought in and then it was the, the one from the university of San Diego, which like, I didn't even know how to football program, <laughs> um, was actually huh. the guy that was awesome. Like he was really good. Um, I just assume that they're going to be able to bring in somebody and develop that talent just based on what they've been able to do and the scheme. Like, is, is that, is that too aggressive in an assumption with Utah? Yeah. I mean, I think that the, 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 the fair way to think about this, and I think it's right. is like, look like this, this is probably an a tight end unit. And I, I have the wide receivers as a D. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look like Covey, I mean, Covey, brings you something like, I don't like, I mean, like they they, they definitely do a lot, whether it's with the tight ends or with the slot receiver last season, they definitely did more in the middle of the field, but I, I still just, I like, you're going to have, you know, two wide receivers <laughs> out at the sidelines, your X and Y. And I don't, I mean, there's just nobody that you think of like, eh, like, am I even going to notice them in the game? Right. And that, I mean, like, I don't think it's that important in the offense. Uh, it will only become important when, when, or if they make it to either a high profile bowl game or the playoff, right? Like it will only, they, they will likely only be put in a place where their, their offense feels like it's in a phone booth when they run into a top notch defense. And I don't think they're going to run into one in the pac 12 this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this will be a, an effective offense. And then like, you know, Tavian Thomas, just my goodness. Yeah. I mean, if you think of the program and just the, the, obviously the, the personnel they lost tragically to have Thomas come in and they brought up a lot of people, right? Like I liked market Bernard. Um, they brought in transfers from Oklahoma and uh, LSU, and it's it's actually the running back from Cincinnati that that actually gets the time and is awesome. So he returns, and Rob, like the the offensive line, I mean, basically they return almost everybody. They're 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 tackle like, now. I know Jaron Kump, who's over at right tackle, um, is is kind of new. I mean, he's he was a starter and then he got injured. So I mean, like. This whole like the band is back, and I think that there's a real chance that they are one of the more effective offenses in the conference. Which is so funny because it's like it's Utah, you know, <laughs> like they did they did it, Rob. They, they, they've made it. They've been doing it for a number of years now. Yeah, I mean, they finally found their guy in Ludwig to like help put it together, and Ludwig found his guy. I mean, after a real misfire in Charlie Brewer, um, you know, they found the guy to make it go. Uh, I, look, I think you know, like they're. You look at the to your point the 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 running back room the offensive line they had to move guys around and retool it a little bit but by the end of the year it really worked um, you know so like look I I think they're gonna be like I think this offense is gonna be an A offense right like the only real weakness here is your wide receivers and we talked about like that's not a glaring weakness because they don't use them a lot um, 
You know, like th- this is this is an offense that is going to look. I mean, if you look at like what they're doing, you can see some flex bone in it sometimes with what Ludwig's doing. They're going to, you know, look do a lot of misdirection in the run game. Rising's going to burn you with his legs. Some. They're going to put up a lot of points um, for sure. I mean, I, I I think they have a shot to be like another uh, a top five offense again. Yeah, and then one of the players to keep a lookout for, and I I don't know if he blows up this year, but the staff really likes Ricky parks. Um, and it's always so funny because I mean, how many years has it been where we're looking at the running back room and we're like, Oh, that guy's probably the guy. And then it's like a random three star random transfer that comes in and just is awesome. Um, uh, I, I think, I think Ricky parks can be one of those players that really steps in and, and pushes. Now I absolutely don't think that he's going to take the starting job at all from Tavian Thomas. But what I'm saying is that right. there's depth there. You have Jalen Glover and some other players there. Yep. Like Micah Bernard was a running back who I kind of liked and was pushed out of that position basically into the slot receiving position. So that's, that's exciting to me that they have that kind of talent. I think that they're ready to go. And um, yeah, I, I, I give this, offense and a like I just think it's going to be really difficult maybe an a minus I think an a minus is probably fair but I think it's gonna be difficult for like you mentioned Rob Pac-12 teams to stop it and I'm curious to see what happens when they go to Florida I mean like we'll we'll know right away you know uh now that Florida team is starting to figure itself out also um you know in addition to some a lot of other programs this year but I mean it, it is an SEC defense in the heat on the road in a different time zone. Let's see what this offense truly is. And it's pretty exciting to be able to see that in week one. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, we talk about, you know, the, you know, like there's, I I would be interested to see how well this offense goes without rising. Right. Like I'm not like they're, they, they've recruited better, right. Than maybe, you know, certainly than they have in the past on, um, at QB, but if rising were to be injured, like that could really hurt what they're doing. Yeah. Cause they, they need the threat. They need like what rising added versus brewer, of course, was like rising as a, as a terrific runner, really add something with his legs. He is a, he's a good enough passer to really also, you know, like, you know, to, 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 you know, keep you from cheating too much. You just wonder if anybody, brings enough anybody else that they have currently brings enough to the table um you know to to be able to 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 really i I think replace him if there was an injury let's pray that doesn't happen i really i want to see utah push for a play i I know me too i do um and and they're going to get challenged by usc they'll be challenged by um oregon and if not like in the regular season right that with the different setup now i think that they're likely going to see one of those two teams and man, it'll just be really nice to see what they're able to do there. Let's shift over to defense yeah. here, Rob, unless you have anything else on the offense. No, no. I mean like they've got, like I said, like they've got like Nate Johnson's a the guy they just, just signed. I mean, he's, he's grading out at like a 91 at, uh, you know, at two, four sevens. Um, but he's probably too young to really make, you know, make a big difference this year. Um, you know, QB. So that's, that, that's the main thing I would say is like, they're, they definitely have more intriguing pieces in place behind rising than maybe Utah's had in the past. But I don't think that there's anyone there that has like, you know, that they could really be the driver of this offense at the level that they've been at. So but that's true of nearly everyone, right? Like nobody's got, I mean this, in this day and age, nobody's got like a star 
backup QB sitting around. Mm. Yeah. When, except except Ohio State, which apparently like bleeds them to other programs and win national championships. But outside of that, you can't you can't stop Ohio State recruiting. Like there's just there's just no stopping it. That's so gross. All right, let, let's flip over the defense and let's do it right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. We're talking Utah defense. And so I'm curious, right? Like Utah usually known for their defense, but if I recall, I think the offense actually graded out better than the defense last year. Is that the case, Rob? Yeah, I mean, the defense was good. Um, Like they were, I'm sorry, what were you asking? I was trying to look up something about the defense real fast. (laughs) If uh, if the uh, defense, if the offense graded out, better than the defense yeah. last year yes so yes the offense created out better than the defense they were number six overall uh defense created out at number nine what they struggled with is like what we talked about a little bit with some other teams they struggled with drive efficiency they gave up some points you could put together drives against this utah team but excellent at containing explosive drives number four there where they struggled a bit was defending the pass 34 an effective pass um and they were you know, they had some components, particularly like the safeties that were a little bit better against the run than they were against the pass. Um, and then they had some injuries at cornerback. Yeah, I think, you know, aside from what we were doing with ASU, I kind of want to flip this and start with the secondary because that's the area where I am a little worried, right? Because Clark Phillips is awesome. And I mean, I, I think he'll be playing in the NFL, but what do we got here in the secondary, right? Like Cole Bishop, RG Hubert. I mean, I think Cole Bishop will end up being the strong safety, but let's see what they're able to do. Um, I don't know. Like if this, if this Utah defense is like top 12, I think they win the conference, right? Yeah. I mean, there, there's nobody else that we expect to be as both excellent and balanced, right? Like, I mean, I, I think USC's offense has some really significant upside. Um, you can talk me into Oregon's defense potentially being pretty darn good, but there's nobody that should be, you know, consistently as good as Utah. Um, and and there's there's players you really love. I mean, like Clark Phillips is, you know, like likely a early round draft pick. I think he's the, the highest recruit Utah's ever had. Um and he's showing out like he's, he's going to be really solid. Now he, he was a second team all pack 12 last year, but I think people are thinking, you know, of, of big things for him. You get that lockdown corner. Let's see what else we have behind there at the nickel and the cornerback position though. I think that's, that's where, where it's interesting. And then like you said, Robbie, you know, the, the safeties, you know, good at stopping the run. Okay. Let's see you stop that pass right. now. Um, I don't know Well, we'll, we'll see if they're there. But like, if you flip it over to, like, in fact, actually, where where would you give the secondary here, like a B? Yeah, I mean, so I've got the safeties at a B. I've got cornerback at an A. So like, I mean, you can put it somewhere. Like, I think Phillips is good. They definitely had some injuries at the other corner spot. They're expecting those guys back. You know, like I I, I think the corner should be an A, um, and then the the safeties are 
we have some, a few more questions there and, and there's, there's, they're moving on, right? Like you got new guys stepping in, um, versus the guy last, the guys last year, it, you know, they could be better against the pat. I mean, like we we have to really see them play a lot. Yeah. Speaking of replacing players, who buddy <laughs> linebacker. <laughs> yeah. Um, dude, it was so, it was so freaking fun. Um, to watch Utah just running around, just lighting people up, stopping that run. Um, and they, they lose two key, uh, you know, linebackers. But I do think it's, it's interesting because what they're able to bring in, look, look I think there's going to be a drop off between what we saw last year. Um, you know, in terms of the ability of the linebacking core to really make a difference. But I think the pieces yeah. that they bring in are interesting here. They bring in the top tackler from Florida, just, and, and, right. we, and we always talk about Utah's ability to like just you know grab you know reach into to a uh, recycling bin and just take out <laughs> converted safeties and and players and just be able to right. put together these linebackers. So like uh, th- this is the one area where I'm not as worried about right. Devin Lloyd, Nephi Sewell are gone. Big big players like you know I think I think Lloyd had more than 100 tackles. But like sometimes you can get stat counting on that front, like where it's like, Oh, they had hundred tackles, but they funneled everything there. Um, I think he, I think they did some of that and he was awesome. <laughs> yeah. So it's Sewell. So now they bring in, uh, and, and my apologies, I'll get the, I think it's, uh, Muhammad Diabate from Florida. And here's, yeah. here's the interesting thing. They bring in Landon Barton, who was a five-star freshman and the team and, and the staff really like him. Lander. Did I say, what did I say? Lighten? Landon. Landon. Lander. My apologies, Lander. Five star. I, I can't I can't can't get that name wrong. Um yeah, Lander Barton had a really strong spring. Let's see what he does in the fall. But I just think based on what this team has been able to put together in that position and the defensive scheme that they use, I, I, I just, I'm just not that worried about the linebacking position anymore. Every I feel like for a lot of years we've been like, who are they gonna replace this linebacker that is, you know, it was like second team all American on at least one of the all American teams or something like that. And you know what they do? Like, I think they've got a, they've got a really good track record with it. I am not terribly fussed about the linebackers. Um, you know, they now, now they were, they were excellent. I will say this, like the linebackers and the defensive line were really good at their run gap assignments last season. They were I, like, even the linebackers, did struggle a little bit in coverage last season. So uh, they could use a little more balance, I think, too. Because that's where Utah was more vulnerable, I think, last year, was passing over the middle. You think that's scheme, right? Because they, they tend to, to send those guys in early and often. That's true. I mean, like, there's a, they, they do blitz, and they are a green dog team. So, you know, if, you're, if your assignment uh, is a back in the backfield and that guy doesn't go out, you are – you are blitzing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so something to keep a lookout for there. But I do, I do think that, look, there's going to be a drop-off, but I don't think the drop-off is going to be glaring enough where I'm worried about the the defense. Going yeah. to, going into the, dif- the defensive line here, um, Devin took Kafusi, uh, Junior Tafuna. Uh, I mean, they have the big bodies there. They bring in Gabe Reed. And what well, the player I'm I'm excited to look out for is Van Fillinger, and, and here's why I think I'm even more bullish on on Utah than I normally am. It's because a lot of the recruiting that there has been a step up. It hasn't been as high as, as I would have hoped for Utah, but you're starting to see the players that they've brought in cycle through. 
uh, Clark Phillips, right, was a was a star recruit. Uh, Van Fillinger was like a high four star defensive end. The staff likes him. Yeah. He'll fill in a defensive, you know, defensive end on that front. Um, you know, Lander Barton might start right off the bat. They've just really started to increase that ability to bring in really solid players. And now you're starting to see these guys hit the field with a consistent defensive staff. And that all, all that I feel like is, is I mean, like every program wants that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think you're right. Like, um, you know, uh, Fillinger, I think is a guy to keep an eye on, um, you know, here, I think he, they, they've, cause they, they sort of had guys like Bradley and I who, emerged right like they had been you know the i'm interested to see who really gets talked about in fall camp um because they do need somebody to to really emerge they were they were decent last season they certainly generated some sacks but they uh they really do i think they really do need to get better in a lot of ways too at the defensive line um because they haven't had there's nobody currently that you would look at on this defensive line and say like, Oh, like they're, 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 uh, they, you know, they're going to be a draft pick, right? Like, um, that's the problem I think at the moment, right. Is like, they, they have to have, they have to get, they have to get better because like, uh, Mika Tafua last season got, he did get, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's off to the NFL. Um, but they're, they do, I think they really do have to like improve like overall their like what you what you were getting out of that uh, the defensive line because I just I don't I don't know they don't seem to have the dominant kind of player at least since Bradley and I was there. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see if there's somebody that can really step up and provide that. But I thought that last year or was it two years ago? Wait, we're like Oregon kind of embarrassed that defensive front, right? Like they, it was yeah. two years ago. They just ran like and Hitlerday was like this this line sucks, <laughs> and he was right. Um, right. I, yeah. I do think that they were able to, to on both fronts, like in, in the trenches on the offensive and the defensive front, really come back and, and assert that stability that you just expected from Utah. And now, and now they basically, you have a, a really strong uh, returning group of players that come in. I, I would give the line, what a, like a B. I think, I think I, I give him a B. Yeah. I think that's about right. Yeah. With, with some upside and same thing with the linebackers. I, I start them out at a, a B B minus with like a really strong upside just because, you know, I haven't seen uh Diabate play for Utah. We haven't seen uh Lander play for Utah yet. So, uh, but I do think that the ceiling's higher there than we've expected in the past of, uh, of these programs. So they've earned it. Um, yeah. I mean, it's was even like an undrafted free. I mean, like that's what, like, I mean, if you look at this team, what they could have been, had Sewell come back, he's an undrafted free agent. Tafua come back, undrafted free agent. Like, man, like you could really be talking about a team that is like a defense that could. I think that they're still likely, like, I mean, Utah hasn't put together a really bad defense in years. But, you know, I think you if those guys return, you're talking about a defense that's really, um, you know, has a shot to like be in the top, you know, challenging the offense for which one's the better unit. Yeah. All right. Let, let's wrap it up here uh, with a, with one last or two last things here, Rob. I forgot to do this for ASU too, but so we'll have to do it for them. But just looking at the schedule here, um, at Florida, Southern Utah, San Diego State at home, their non-conference. And then we have at ASU, Oregon State at home. Uh, you know what? That, that, that's bad radio, right? People aren't following along with us. But like, I think the non-conference is important, which we've highlighted in our last show. But like, 
I, let's do this. Let's pick out a couple games that you think are going to be the games that will determine the season for Utah. Um, for me, I think it's it's the game at Florida, obviously, to start the year. Right. Um, and they do have to go on the road to UCLA. That's an that's an interesting game. Um, but they do get USC at home, and they got to go to Oregon. I think those I think those are the the most important ones, right? Anything else here? Jump off the page. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, right? I mean, like, I mean, look, I mean, that San Diego State game could be sneaky, no fun, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that, I mean, that, that San Diego State defense uh, can give you fits. Um, and uh, and so keep an eye. I mean, I don't expect Utah with rising playing to really, like, stumble like they did last season. But um, that Florida game, I think, really, too, for setting the tone for this Utah team, um, and what they want to accomplish this year, you know, like that, this Florida game is critical for them. Um, they've had some slow starts in the past. They really need to put it together, uh, and win this one so that they, cause a loss there against a Florida team that isn't like, I mean, they're not likely to be challenging Georgia or Bama, um, is, is, is really going to hurt them, you know, down the stretch. Um, you know, if they're if they're in the twelve and you know if they if that's their one loss, um, you know that's not going to look good if they're having to win a beauty contest to get in the playoff. And then if if you're like you know, there's a lot of Utah fans that listen to this show, but there's a lot of fans that aren't aren't Utah players. You know, who who are the players that if you're not following Utah that you think people should just watch? You know, as they're as they're watching the game. I mean, Keithy, you know, watch the tight ends for sure. Um, and then who, you know, whoever fills in for Lloyd, right? Like whoever is the line, like, like watch the lot, like for Utah's defense, for what you're going to see, you know, out there, you need to watch, like watch what the linebackers are doing. That that's going to tell you a lot about what's going on with the defense, um, and what they're going to run. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think they should like this Utah team should be a lot of fun. Um, and I'm interested to see like who gets, I mean, They've got like to your point, like they've got a lot of really talented running backs. Like, man, like how do they even get enough carries for everybody? Yeah, for me, you know, the players that you mentioned, um, on my end, I I'm gonna be really focused on the safeties this year, and this is more for like football reasons, not necessarily like casual watching. Like, I really want to see what those safeties are able to do um, to stop the passing game and and also to stop the running game because, like we talked about, I think they've done a better job stopping the run. Let's see if they're able to mature and, and really bring um, more of a force in the passing game to break up passes, you know, to be in the right spot, to be good in coverage. I think that will determine whether or not this is a playoff team or not. Um, And I'm pretty excited to watch that flipping over to ASU, Rob, let's uh, let's take a look really quickly at their schedule with their schedule. It's different, right? Cause like Utah, if they run the table, they're in the playoff. If ASU, win six games they're in a bowl i think that's kind of the difference here where we're looking with these teams so what are the games that are going to really determine whether or not asu is going to go to a bowl i mean there's a, like there's going to be like a couple of toss-ups in here right yeah. um that are going to really determine where they end up i mean they're the the game get like oddly enough like the game against ucla depending on where ucla's defense is mm-hmm. i think is is an interesting one I think there's like versus Washington state. I yeah. think we're like, everybody's talked themselves. Like that's a game. If you turn the ball over a million times in that game last season, um, and Oregon state, right? Like 
they're going to have a stretch after they get done with Colorado or the UCLA, Washington State, and Oregon State. And they might be in a position, depending on the way things have gone, because they're going to have a run from Utah, like where they get Utah, USC, and Washington. They could be, you know, they could be like two and four after that point. Yeah. Right. Then you get to, then you get Stanford and Colorado and you can't afford to drop either of those. Like you got to get wins there. That gets you back to four and four. Then you need, then you need at least one win. But I mean, look, I, I think this ASU team is, I don't think they're good enough to win all of Stanford, Colorado, Arizona, right? They probably drop one. I don't know which one, but that means that, you know, they definitely need to, they might need to, they might be in a position if they did, that they might need to win two out of three in UCLA, Washington state, Oregon state. That's, that stretch is going to determine their season. It's funny to say that UCLA, Washington state, Oregon state, Arizona is a brutal stretch (laughs) because it's not, but for, for a team, like you're saying, that could be, uh, you know, the, the wagon wheels are rickety and they're kind of going in directions that they shouldn't go. That is a brutal stretch because th- those are all teams that can jump up and bite you, right? Like, right. I think I- I'm not worried about Colorado. I am worried about Oregon State. I'm worried about ASU. I'm worried about UCLA. And then you got to play at Arizona for um, you know, the Territorial Cup. And that game gets weird. Um, and ASU has handled the weird well for like the last five years, right. but I, I do think Arizona's trajectory is, is headed in, in, in a high, you know, in the upwards direction. So that could be a game where really, you know, Arizona has two wins on the schedule and they don't care. They want this third one. Like, I, I do think that that's an interesting game that is definitely worth watching. Well, there's, we talked about this last year with Arizona, like they can't, they played hard all season, right? Like they didn't quit. What happens with if ASU hits that stretch, right? Like where they come out, like where they come out of the Washington game, and they're two and four, and then her like some like the Herm announcement comes or something like like this ASU team, um, the games they got to win are on this back stretch. Like there's not a, there's not much of a chance for Herm to like build momentum early in the schedule, um, and that could really curdle this season for ASU. I'm going to, I'm going to put my marker down now, Rob, this game will not, it will not end 70 to seven in favor of Arizona. No, no. That will not happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like I think Arizona has, it's like, I don't think Arizona is going to win a lot more games, but I think they're going to be better and more competitive. And I think everyone should expect that this season. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I totally agree. Who, who are some players here on this ASU team that, if you're, you know, an average Pac-12 fan and you, you know, your team is playing ASU, who should you be looking for? I'm gonna watch out for the uh, running back from Wyoming, Holiday. He was pretty good. You know, look out for their, uh, um, and look out for Jones. Like I think I look. I mean, obviously, like always keep an eye on the quarterback. But like, jo- like Jones is a little underrated coming into this. Like he was pretty good. What really killed him were the turnovers he's not going to be facing SEC defenses, <laughs> you know, like he should have, uh, we should get to see some really good stuff out of him. Um, and I think he might be a sneaky, good, fun story in the pac 12 this season. You know, like I, I agree. Um, and he'd be a great story for the conference. The one thing that would, that bothered me though, is like, you know, he does well at Arizona. Everybody's oh, your SEC player does well in the pac 12. I'm, I'm so surprised. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I can already see those things happening. 
the two players that I want to keep a lookout for, and look, this is the difference between a bowl team and a national title contender, where you look at this roster and you're like, eh, I mean, like, yeah, the Wyoming transfer running back, eh, Emory Jones. And then you kind of look after that, and it's a bit of a, mm, like, whatever. Um, right. But Ladarius Henderson is a good guard um, on the left side. Yeah. And this staff, like, he, he, I think he started as a true freshman. Um, and he had some, was he like 17? Yeah. Yeah. And the team, I think that if I recall, I think the team like redshirted him when he was 18. Cause they're like, you're going to be awesome. And we started you a little early. Um, so I just, I just thought, I think his story is fascinating. So keep a lookout for him. The, the left guard, Ladarius Henderson. And then I'm stick, I'm sticking with Brian Thompson. I, I really, now that, now that a lot of players have departed the program, I'd like to see if he's, he's good. Cause I think he is. Um, I don't think he's going to be like one of the best wide receivers of the Pac-12, but I do think he's exciting. Um, and he has the body and he can go up and catch it. And I just, I would, I would really like for him and Badger to be good on this team because I think they would be exciting if that's the case. So keep a lookout for, for those guys. Anything else here on, on ASU or Utah, Rob? No, I think we covered it. All right. Well, thanks everybody for, for joining. We're going to continue our previews. We're going to go through, we'll be on time. We're going to get every team in the bucket ready to go for uh, the season. And then, and then we got our previews coming up. So uh, thanks everybody for joining us. You can follow us at 12 pack radio. Rob, are you, where, where are you at with the videos? I've got Iowa next. My favorite ripping of nepotism. Love it. Annually. Love it. Keep that ball on the ground. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So, okay. All right. One last question for you on, on turnover luck, right? Because, Iowa, like, right, this is the advanced stats, like, you know, battle, death cage match. Uh, Iowa had a lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions last year. Was that scheme or was that luck? Both. Okay. I mean, like, you're, so there are things that are correlated to uh, interceptions in particular, like pass rush, getting to the quarterback, making him bring his eyes down, take his eyes off of downfield. Um, is pretty good for helping to throw, you know, helping to your uh, defensive backs get interceptions. Um, but there's also like there's there's real turnover luck. And Iowa had, I think, with Iowa too, like it would be difficult to repeat their turnover luck. Um, in particular, like they they have a really good defense that helps. The secondary coaching is excellent under Phil Parker. Um, but yeah, there's there's there is a little bit of there's a little bit of luck and a little bit of scheme that goes into it. But turnover like turnover luck is by far and away the biggest um the biggest bit of luck in football. Well, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what happens over there. Um, you can see those videos at sharpcollegefootball.com where all of our advanced statistics are, and all of Rob's. I mean, I say ours. Like I I just ask him questions about it. <laughs> but but uh, Rob's done a ton of work there and and it's excellent. So feel free to check that out. You can check us out on YouTube. Um, Sharp College Football. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week.